Now we're in a short series for the month of January on Sunday nights as we're talking about how to have faith when in trials, and in particular how to have a, a real sustaining faith, how we're going to be able to have the faith necessary to be able to hold fast when the hard times come. Last week, uh, we looked at the first four verses of James 1, which uh, noted to us a particular phrase about allowing steadfastness to have its full effect. The need to let the trial do its work so that God can accomplish what verse 4 says, that we would be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. And one of the things that I think is <clears throat> interesting as James uh, brings these pictures together is is how he wants us to see the kind of help that is available to us in the midst of trials. And that's where our next paragraph uh, is at, is in verses 5 through 8. You'll notice in James 1, and in verse 5, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let's just start right there with a real basic and simple thing, because I want us to notice that if you think about trials and you think about when you're really in the deep uh, difficulties and the deep darkness, there are probably a lot of things that we ask God for. As I was contemplating this, I thought, well, uh, I have the tendency to ask God for the trial to stop. Uh, I ask God for the pain to stop. I can ask God to make things go back to the way they were. I might even ask God for certain outcomes to happen. But do we ask God for wisdom to be able to come to him in the middle of a trial, in the midst of that darkness, and come to him and say, I need wisdom. And I don't know that we always readily think about that idea when we're praying to God. A lot of things come to my mind in suffering about what I need to tell God, but wisdom is probably not the first thing. And yet notice James says that should be the first thing. If you are lacking wisdom, then ask God. And I, and I think that is an important picture that, that's given here because not only do we not have the tendency to do that, to be able to think about, okay, I, I need wisdom, but I, I love the, the picture that's given when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom. So here's my question to you. Do you think somebody was supposed to read that and go, well, I don't. <laughs> and an interesting way to frame that if any of you lack wisdom okay well you don't need to read the rest of this and you don't need to read the rest of this clearly there is a picture of humility that is on display here that you are able to assess i'm in a trial and i need wisdom i need god's help i need god's direction i need for him to give me what i need to be able to navigate these difficulties in fact if you think about what james says there about asking for wisdom you might note that that has a bit of an echo back to the old testament where you hear if when god comes to solomon and god comes to king solomon and says you can ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And would the first thing that you would come to God and say, okay, if I get one request, here's my one request. I want wisdom to be able to lead your people so that I can be the, the kind of shepherd that you want me to be as king over these. 
And remember that God was just delighted with that response. That that is the kind of humility and kind of heart that, that God is looking for. And I believe that if we were truly honest in the middle of a trial, don't we need wisdom? In the midst of the hardships, it's probably when you really need it most. When life is upside down, you don't know which way is right. You don't see where the light at the end of the tunnel is. That This is the time of all times that we would need to be able to say, yes, I need wisdom. I need this kind of help. And so I think that is a, a beautiful picture that he gives as he tries to get started in the idea of wisdom. I want you to think about that idea a little bit more about wisdom and what we are ultimately asking God for. What do we need to be wise in? And again, I'm thinking about my own life and how there's the tendency to ask for perhaps all of the wrong things. The, you know, Lord, I just, just would you just put it back to the way it was? Would you just make it where the things that we had were back to the, how they used to be? And I was struck by that thinking because it's easy to think that way. And I want you to listen to what the writer of Ecclesiastes says as he speaks thoroughly about wisdom. And he, and he says this. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? We never have the tendency to do that, right? We don't have a phrase called the good old days or anything like that. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? Notice how it goes. For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to the one who possesses it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? So here's what our tendency can be in trials. Things were so much better back there. And God, you need to put it back to the way it was. And I just don't know how we're going to be able to go forward. You just need to go back to the way it was. And I want you to notice two things that the writer of Ecclesiastes says. One, he says, it's not wisdom to try to glamorize the past. It wasn't as good as you thought. <laughs> don't glamorize the past and wish that you could just live in the past and live in the past. That's not God's goal is that you would live in the past. But I want you to notice the second thing at the very end of that when he says, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? That des deserves a lesson unto itself. Think about that just said God made things crooked that you can't straighten. There are messes in your life that are going to stay messes that you can't straighten. And often in the trial, our hard part is our inability to go forward because we're back here trying to straighten what's not going to get straightened. It is what it is. Life has changed. What has happened has happened. The trial has occurred. And it's not wisdom, the writer says, to go back and try to live in that past, nor is it wisdom to try to straighten what God has made Crooked, And so I think this is a, a really neat picture because the goal then in trials, when we are asking God for wisdom, is not about necessarily trying to fix the past somehow. 
but rather trying to go forward with the new scenario, with the new circumstance, with the new situation that God has given to us. He has put us in this trial. Things have dramatically changed, and we are then asking God for wisdom for the, be, for the ability to be able to go forward. Now, I want you to notice why we should ask God. Let's finish the sentence in verse 5, back in James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. This is a, a great response of motivation to encouragements that you will notice that God gives as to why we should ask him for wisdom and why we would need that. And I want you to think about why we would want to do that. Do, do we not need direction? Do we not need some clarity? Do we, do we not need some help in the midst of this that God is trying to say, I'm here for that. I can give you that clarity. I can give you that direction. I can give you that help. And perhaps even in, in, in the face of wisdom that we are asking God for the ability to stay in the trial. As I open the lesson and I bring your minds back to what we talked about last week, our great temptation is to quit the trial. We need steadfastness. God, give me the wisdom to stay with this. Give me what I need to be able to hold on and not give up and eject and not learn something from this. Don't allow me to reject this maturing process that you are putting me in. And I think then in talking about asking God for wisdom, who gives wisdom, tells us something I think really important, especially in our culture today. And that is wisdom doesn't come from within. If any of you lacks wisdom, sit there by yourself for a while and contemplate and seek the deep things of thoughts within yourself until you figure out your own wisdom. No. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives. That's a very important statement. Too often the problem of our thinking about wisdom is we are going to rely upon our own knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And that's why we're not asking God. And here is God saying, I'm the giver of wisdom. And that's why you should ask me. So ask me because I give it to you. It doesn't come from within. It's not something that you were just going to suddenly stumble across. In fact, the, the whole book of Proverbs traces over that idea in so many different ways. God gives wisdom. Seek it. Hold on to it. Do not let go of it. Sell everything to be able to have the wisdom that God gives. God is, is, is that giver. And so then those two pieces in verse 5. Ask God who gives generously to all. I want you to hear that for a minute. God generously gives wisdom to everyone who asks of him. I, I find that a, a striking thing to think about because that means if I don't have wisdom, then that's my fault. Because God said, if you ask me, I give it generously. He doesn't say, you know, if you ask me, I might give you a little drop or two. I might give you a little, you know, breadcrumb here or there. If you know that you need wisdom, ask God. 
And if you ask God, he says, I will give it to you and I'm going to give it to you abundantly. It's going to be overflowing to you the wisdom that you need for life to make decisions, to go forward, to have direction and clarity. God says, I give that abundantly. I'm just overflowing with that, but you have to ask me for it. And so what an encouragement that is being given to us here is that God is a generous giver of the wisdom that we ultimately need. And then along with that in verse five, he says, and I give it to you without reproach. You're not going to go to God and ask for wisdom and he's going to shame you and go, oh, I can't believe you need wisdom. Come on. (laughs) Here is God giving us a picture that if you would ask me for wisdom, that's exactly the thing I want you to ask me. No condemnation, no reproach. And when you ask me, I'm going to give it to you generously. I'm going to give it to you abundantly. I'm going to give you the wisdom that you need. And so I hope just for a minute you would kind of take Maybe a moment of self-examination, a moment of self-reflection. How often do we make that prayer? How often do we make that prayer? God, give me the wisdom that I need today to be able to make right decisions. And in these critical moments to be able to say the right thing and do the right thing and help me know what the right path is. Here is God saying, I'll give that. I will give you the wisdom that you need for life. I will give you the wisdom you need for trials. Just ask me. I'll give it to you generously. I will not hold back. I will not shame you. I will not reproach you. I will not condemn you. I'm the the holder of wisdom. And if you would just ask, I would give that to you. And so there's a strong encouragement here that is given to us in this call of asking for faith and that there would be no shame in proclaiming to God, I need wisdom for my life. I need wisdom for the direction that I am going and help me know what I need to do. Now, let's bring in verse six, because this is an interesting statement that is now made. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. All right, let's talk about that for a minute, because I think this can be a very easily misunderstood Concept, Because it just simply says, well, if you doubt, you're not going to get anything. Well, we need to be careful with that. I, I don't believe that James is indicating if you ever have any doubts in your life whatsoever, you just might as well forget it. If you just, you know, you just uncertain that day or you're like, you know, is this thing for real? Is it He's not talking about a doubt like that. I want you to notice our, our context of what he's talking about when he says, I don't want you to doubt. You'll notice that what he's describing from verse 5 through verse 8, and even in the earlier verses as well as later on, are pictures about God's character. They're pictures about God's character. I am a God who gives wisdom. I give it generously, and I give it without reproach. 
So here's what I want you to capture about the character of God at this moment. What God is trying to show us in these pictures in the trials is that he's not against us. That's what we saw earlier. You can count this all joy when you meet trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness will have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God is not against you. God is using the trial. He is helping you. He is bringing you through the process so that you will let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. Further, I will give you the wisdom that you need for life. I will give you the wisdom that you need for the trial. You just have to ask me. And if you ask of me in faith, I'll give it to you generously and without reproach. That is our context of doubting is that when we are in trials, our tendency is to doubt the character of God. And that, I believe, is what is at issue here. Don't doubt that God is going to give you wisdom. Don't doubt that he's not on your side, that he's somehow against you, that he's not going to help you, that he doesn't care for you. Don't doubt the character and very nature of God. And I think that is a very important idea because when we doubt that God cares or that God will help, or that God is on our side, or that he loves us, or is grace toward us, or is going to carry us through, then our life begins to look like what you see described in verse 6. He says there, for the one who doubts is like what? It's like a person here who is in the wave of the sea that's being driven and tossed about in the wind you're just flying all over the place why what's the picture in that what's he what's he trying to get at with with that picture what is he trying to conjure up for us i think it's an important picture that is being given because what this tossing back and forth is saying one day you trust god and then one day you don't One day you're like, okay, God, I am asking for wisdom and I need your help and I believe you're on my side and you're going to give me what I need. And then the next day comes and what are you doing? Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make my own decisions. I think I know what I need to do and I'm not going to trust in God anymore. I'm not going to look to him anymore and said, I think I've got things figured out. I think this is the picture of the sloshing back and forth between two allegiances, about the, the, the two loyalties. And so here we go. We, we're just tossing ourselves back and forth. Sometimes I believe God's going to be with me, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm holding on to the character of God, and sometimes I don't believe in the character of God. Sometimes, oh, yes, I'm definitely for God. The next time, no, I just don't know that he really cares. Yes, no, I know he really cares. No, I don't know that he loves me. This is the image that's being given here of this, this being tossed back and forth and back and forth. And he's warning us and saying, when you're doubting the character of God, there is just this massive instability that's going to happen. One day you feel close, the next day you feel far. One day you think he's helping, one day he seems like he's not doing anything. And he said, you can't doubt the character of God. And I think that's the the, the picture of the the image that that is given here. In fact, you will notice along with that in in verse verse 7, he says there, 
not only tossed by the wind, verse 7, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. And notice this final line, unstable in all of his ways. Have you thought about that picture for a minute? Notice he's not just unstable from like time to time. He is picturing a life of instability that's going to happen. What James is doing is trying to get us to trust in the character of God so that we will rely upon him to such a degree that we're not going to be tossed around and have this instability of life. What is being pictured for us here is know the character of God. Don't doubt the character of God. Go to him with your troubles. And that is going to deal with the instability that you may begin to feel. He is going to solidify you. He is trying to give us what we need to be able to get through the trial. He will give us the wisdom, the direction, and the truth that we ultimately need. Kind of put this another way. We probably have a a fine way, especially in trials, to do what I like to call hedging our bets. All right, right, God, I'm with you. I'm going to trust you. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'm going to trust him like that. So, you know, it's, it's like putting one foot in his boat and one foot in my own wisdom boat. And, of course, if you put one foot in one boat and one foot in another boat, not going to turn out too well for you. And yet we do that with God as like, okay, well, I'm going to trust you kind of. And ultimately, James is asking us to see the character of God and just believe in that character. Jesus said it like, like this to help with the character of God. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to, good get, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What James is putting his finger on is don't doubt the character of God. Do you think that he's not worthy of your trust? Do you think that he really doesn't care? Do you think he's not going to help? Do you think he's not going to give you the wisdom that you need? And so that picture is being given to us. Do not doubt his character. Do not doubt his promise. And do not doubt that he will give the wisdom generously to us when we ask of him. All right. So I want to make three big points with the few minutes that we have left. Number one. James is teaching us something really important here. That living a life with a wavering commitment to God is going to lead to an unstable life. That's what he just described. If this person is doubting, he's tossed all over the place. He is unstable in all of his ways. He's a double-minded person. And I want us to think about that picture for a minute because I have the tendency to think, well, you know, I'm in the middle of a trial and my instability that I am experiencing is because of the trial. 
And I want you to notice that James is digging a little deeper in that. And I think he's coming to us and saying, no, the, the instability is not the trial. The instability is you're not fully trusting in the character of God. That's the reason you're unstable. You don't fully believe that God has you. You don't believe that God is going to carry you through. You don't believe that God will carry you through the day to give you the wisdom you need, to walk you forward in the trial, to bring you to the other side. You don't believe he's going to do that, and that's why you feel unstable. And that's the image that's being given here. He's just being tossed all over the place, back and forth. And he's saying, don't be the person who one minute is running toward God and the next minute disregarding God. We're going to him and saying, all right, I'm going to trust you. And then I don't trust him. I, he can't. No, I don't think he cares. I don't, he's there for me. No, I don't think he's there for me. He lo- well, I don't know if he loves me. That's where the instability is. The trial is not the cause. It's our lack of trusting in the character of God. And that's what James is telling us here. Our instability comes when we don't see that God is for us and that God is at work as what verse four says in producing a maturity to help us through the trial. Let me illustrate it this way. You all know that my daughter Grace has Prader-Willi syndrome. We go to Shan's Hospital in Gainesville all the time. We have a specialist there. She is a doctor who has dedicated her whole life to not only learning about this syndrome, but she is on the cutting edge of research and knowledge and doing all the work that she can. She is part of a global community and leads the way in all of that. And so we go to her and she tells us, here's what she knows. Here's the things that you need to do. We go to her for wisdom. You tell us what we need to do. What do you know about this? What are the new things? What changes do we need to make? So she tells us. And then suppose we end up driving back home and the next day we go, well, you know, I think that's all really good information of what she said. But, you know, I think we should do this. I know that she's studied all of this and knows all of this and she's got all these ideas and she thinks that if we do these certain things and make these certain changes and do this and take that and try this experimental medication and change these eating habits, then things will have improvement. But, you know, uh, I was watching TV the other day and I just kind of felt like, that. Eh, I don't know that that's really going to help. Now, here's my point. Here's the the, the thing that he says in verse 7. Should we suppose that we would receive anything from the doctor of what she said would help? No. You heard the wisdom, but you didn't trust it. You didn't believe in it. You decided your own way was the better way to go. And that's why he says there in verse 7, do not expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're not trusting him. This isn't a punitive thing. Oh, you didn't trust me. I'm not helping you. That's not what's going on. It's a picture of here's the wisdom. But if you don't trust him, you're not going to listen. 
If you don't trust him, you're not going to follow through. There are so many things that God says here that are definitely counterintuitive. That doesn't make sense. Why would that help? How could that be? And we've had that at the doctor. If you make these changes, well, why would that matter? And the doctor will say, because I'm the doctor and I've done tons and tons and tons of research and years of work. And here's, and you need to believe me. I go, okay. And God says, here's the way to live your life. Here's all the things you need to do. Here's what's going to help you in the trial. One of the big things you need to do is ask me for wisdom. And we go, yeah, I don't know if that's going to really help me or not. Don't expect to receive anything. God has the prescription of what we need to get through the trial, but we stand back and go, yeah, but I think. And God is simply telling us that you're not going to be able to enjoy anything that, of what he is trying to do to help us. We're not trusting in him. We're not trusting in his directions. We're not trusting in his solutions. We're not really ultimately looking to him for wisdom. At the end of the day, what you were doing is you are doubting his character. Grace and I have these discussions about our doctor because she'll be like, well, how does she know that I need to do da, 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 da? And at the end of the day, it does come down to trust. I trust that this doctor has our best intent and is doing whatever she can to help. So I believe her. Do you believe in the character of God? That what you need is what he will give. That he is doing what is in your best interest to carry you through. Or not. Because that's everything. That's ultimately everything about what God is trying to do. And that leads then to number three. Is if we're not going to trust him, he can't give us what we need to be able to go forward with him. And so therefore... I would like for us to consider that when we have that feeling of instability, that ultimately shows us we're not fully grounded in God as the life anchor. I'm trying to decide how hard to say this one because this one hurts. But if a trial wrecks us, then our trust was placed somewhere else than his good character. If a trial obliterates our faith, then it's showing we were not fully grounded in God as an anchor. And I think it's too easy to allow that to happen. And why you have James giving us this little warning right here. Instability is a flag that tells each of us your trust is not fully in God. And that's why you feel like you're moving back and forth. That's why you feel like you're being tossed by the waves. That's why you feel double-minded. That's why you feel the instability. Is you are not trusting in the character of of God. The trial is moving us to that kind of maturity. It's moving us to that kind of faith. And I've mentioned in lessons, I think it was in the Ezekiel lesson, I'm pretty sure it was in chapter 17, that God has a fine way 
of identifying the idols that are in our lives, the things that we put our hope in, the things that we grasp and put our trust in, and trying to wrench our fingers off of them as painfully as it is, to try to let, get us to let go of it so that we will hold on to him. That the trial has that intent. That's what those first four verses were saying. These things are producing in you a faith that you need. God is removing that. And as an instability comes into your life, I want that to be a flag to your soul. That when you feel that instability, it will tell us, I must not be fully trusting in God right here. I, I feel like I'm tossing back and forth. I'm, I'm relying on something other than God. I, I am doubting his character that he is going to bring me through this moment. He will get me through to the other side. That is what that trial is intended to do. And I hope that that will be the flag for you because that's what James is, is showing us is that you can have what God wants you to have. And that's the good news back to verse five. It's not too late. For all of us who are in the room, it's not too late. Ask God for wisdom and put your trust in his character. He gives generously and he will not condemn you for it. He will give you exactly what you need. When you are in that difficulty, look to God for wisdom. But friends, even if you're not in the difficulty right now, anybody want to raise their hand and say, so I don't need wisdom right now? We all need it at all times. Ask God who gives generously to prepare you for the times of difficulty, to prepare you for the instability that may come when the trial tries to shake you, that you can have a grounding, you can have a foundation that is steadfast and sure. That's what God is trying to give to us in life is this anchor so that you can hold on no matter how bad it gets. So friends, I hope you will... Think about what James is giving to us is that the thing that we need is wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. But God is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of listening to. And he is worthy of following even in the darkest of days. Because he is for you. He is not against you. He is refining your faith. And he will carry you to the other side. So do not let go of him and do not lose heart because he will give you the help that you need. The title of the lesson was Faith When Confused. James' answer is when you feel confused, turn to God for wisdom and he will offer it to you generously. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, it can often feel that trials can push us away from you. The hardships can so often, Lord, press us down to such a degree that we can feel like we should doubt your character. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for our instability. Forgive us for when we have not fully laid hold of you. Forgive us for when we have not trusted your beautiful character that is unchanging. 
Lord, we know that you are good. We know that you love us. We know that you care for us. We know that you are acting for our good. Lord, help us to believe that at all times. Give us the faith we need to do that. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see where we have put our trust in other things and other people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in our trials, that when we feel those instabilities, when we feel like we're being tossed, that we would see that we need you all the more. And help us to see where our faith is lacking. Help us to see where we've put our hope in other things rather than you. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one of us a deep strength for any trial we may face. And Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray that you would pour it out abundantly upon us. Give us the wisdom we need to live today. Give us the wisdom that we need for this coming week. Give us the wisdom that we need to make the right decisions for our families and on our jobs, toward our friends, toward the lost, and with our neighbors. Give us the wisdom to say the right words at the right time to one another and to those that we come in contact with. Give us a wisdom that reflects your goodness and your glory so that people would see you when they look at us. Give us the wisdom to take the right path. And Lord, give us the wisdom to see temptation when it comes. Give us the wisdom to make decisions to keep us from evil. Lord, give us the wisdom to find the right path and to walk faithfully on it. Lord, you've promised to give us the wisdom that we need and to give it to us generously, and so we pray that you would do that. Lord, be our anchor and be our strength and press us on to the goal that lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing an invitation song. We do invite you to come to the wisdom that God has for your life, that you would turn away from sin. She would believe in him with all of your heart and to focus on the character of God, a God who is for you, who will help you, who will never leave you or forsake you. Never give up on the character of God and see him as your help in the days ahead. Can we help you in any way? If so, won't you come while we stand and while we sing?